They're reaffirming what you already know and believe and think. Today's not one of those lessons. I'm going to try to change your mind again. Okay? I think I've got a remote. Praise God, I brought my own remote. Old Testament tithing. Should we tithe? What's a tithe? A tithe is a tenth. Greek word for, Greek word sort of picked up for a tenth. Hebrew word, Hebrew word, sorry. Picked up for the word tenth, and it usually meant something they gave of their, of their crops or their herds in Old Testament times. And the scriptures say the following in the Old Testament. Just some reminders. Numbers 18, they took a tithe, they took 10% of their income, or 10% of their stuff, and gave it so that the priests and the Levites could, could not work, not own property, but to work in the temple. Verse eight, chapter 18, verse 24 of Numbers, for the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as, as a contribution to the Lord, I have given for the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So you were to give, if you were a Jew in the Old Testament, you were to give a tenth of what you had to support the workers at the temple. You were also supposed to give a tenth of what you had for the worship itself, for the festivals. You've got to read this. I was reading this scripture one day, just reading my Bible, and I couldn't believe what it said. And I've showed it to a couple people. I showed it to Mike Eisenberg once, and he slapped his head. He does that when I show him things. I, I don't know why. Um, but it says this. I know this works. I'm sure of it. There we go. It says this in Deuteronomy 14, starting in verse 22. Now, follow me here. There we go. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So basically what he's saying is, once we establish you in Jerusalem, you're going to go down to Jerusalem, and you're going to bring your offering, and there we're going to celebrate the feast, and you're going to learn to fear the Lord, but you're going to bring from your flock a tenth of what you have. Now watch the next part. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there. Then you shall turn it into money. Sell it. Turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire. Oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink. Whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And I was reading that one day, and I'm like, and wine and strong drink. I said, did God just tell us we should drink bourbon when we celebrate before the Lord? You know, it's one of those times you're reading your Bible and you go, what? You just stop in the middle. But we're supposed to give a tenth to do these things. Go on. Nine. Oh, 
now we're doing this together? You can go ahead and do it, bro. Sorry, my, I must be battery low today. Every third year, we give to those in need. At the end of every three years, you should bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, the immigrant, that's the sojourner, and who are with you within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And in, verse, in Leviticus 19 and verses 9 and 10, he says, leave some for the poor. And every seventh year, don't harvest so that the poor may have something to eat. And annually, you're to pay the temple tax so the money that they gave was for worship for those who work in the temple and for those who are in need. Some of it was actually just keeping the government running. Some of it was actually, t- you know, essentially a social security net for the poor and those that are in need. So they were not just giving to worship God. They were also giving to support the government. It was a, essentially a tax to support the government. So here's the next question. Does the command the Jews received under the law to tithe apply to us? Survey says, what have I told you? No! It doesn't. Now, this is tough. Because for a lot of us, tithing isn't just we think what we think. It's in our DNA. It's, in our, it's on our spiritual code. Well, I have to give a tenth. I have to give a tenth. I was talking to a brother this morning. He said, I just got a raise. And I, the first thing I thought of was, well, I have to give a tenth. Well, that's really cool. Why don't you give 20%? Now, this brother should give 50%. Unless it's young. I won't mention his name, but he knows who he is. <laughs> Let's talk about some reasons that you should not tithe. Okay? Let's talk about some reasons we shouldn't tithe. Giving of our time, of our resources, of our money, reflects the condition of our hearts. Matthew 6 and verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hence, the treasure principle. While tithing might have some benefit of promoting consistency and an idea of obedience, it falls short of what God wants from us. Do you understand that? Let me show you why. I want you to understand this. This is really, really important. Number one, we are not under the Old Testament law. We, know, we have been freed from the law of Moses. Okay? Paul wrote this letter to the churches, to the church in Galatia. And it is Paul's, dare I say, most severe letter. Now, if, if we know the Bible at all, we know that the, the letter to the, in, to the church in Corinth 
is pretty scalding. But it's nothing like what Paul says to the church in Galatia. He is upset. Every one of Paul's letters that we have access to starts with a I love you opening. Let me tell you about how wonderful you are, except this one. He's like, I am astonished that you are turning from the gospel. Why? What were they doing? Because they were going back to the law. They were going back to trying to justify themselves before God by the things that they did. And one of the things that they were going back to was circumcision. Well, you got to be circumcised in order to be saved. It was the issue that the Council of Jerusalem took up in Acts chapter 15. But another one of these issues that if you... If you're going to obey that part of the law, the, the, the Old Testament law teaches us that you have to obey the whole law. You can't pick and choose. So if you're going to obey circumcision, then you have to obey tithing. And if you're going to obey tithing, then you have to obey Sabbath laws. And this is what Paul says to the church in Galatians, chapter 5, and verse 1. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, he's talking about the law. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. If you're going to do this, you've got to do the whole thing. If you're going to do tithe, well, you've got to go the whole way. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. I told you this book was challenging. These are severe words. He's telling an entire church, you have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. See, the church in Galatia was trying to put together a set of rules for the church. Okay, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Paul tells them that the only thing that counts is faith working through love. You know what you get? With faith, uh, what should I do today, bro? You should go out and have faith working through love. No, 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 I asked you what to do. Sorry, faith working through love is what Paul told the church there in Galatia. It's ambiguous, isn't it? You didn't tell me what to do. That's right, I didn't. One of the things that we have to really wrestle with with Christianity, and it's hard for us because all of us, you know, a lot of us were raised in a Christian, some sort of Christian background, is that we were taught certain things that this is what Christianity means. And it, it has a form of it, but a lot of it isn't true. Let's, look, let's, let's move on. Why you should not tithe. Number two, tithing gives us a false sense of spirituality. Here's a great example. Jesus told this story. 
Look, you know, I'm tithing. Look at me, I'm tithing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do before God. In Luke chapter 18, in verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, th prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, standing off, far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Look at this Pharisee. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. How often was he required under the law to fast? Once a year. But he took fasting to a whole new level. And it's not that fasting is wrong. He just did it for all the wrong reasons. Look at me, God. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Look how awesome I am. See, God isn't looking at those things. He's looking at the heart, isn't he? God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart with our thoughts, with our actions, with our words, and guess what? With our giving. How about that? Why does that surprise us? He's looking at, the, we're, we're hoping, right? We're hoping he's looking at the heart for the, all the other things because we sin all the time. And if we're held in account for the times we sin, then we have no hope. So we're really hoping that he's looking at the heart, except on our giving, because we're giving a tenth. See, something amiss there. The other thing that's interesting about tithing, why we shouldn't tithe, the third thing, tithing's unfair. It's unjust. It is. Think about this. You have a family of five that's poor. They make $20,000 a year. You have to tithe. So you're giving up $2,000 of an extremely meager income. Because you're commanded to tithe. Meanwhile, a married couple with no kids is making $100,000 a year. We're telling you to tithe. And you happily write your checks out for the total of $10,000. But it'd be nice to have that money, but you can live without it. To one, it's a sacrifice. To the other, it may well not be. Why do we give the same command to both? I've heard it said, well, tithing is just... I know what you're saying, and I appreciate it, but, you know, we got to give people a place to start. So 10% is a good place to start. Give me a scripture then. Prove it to me. That's your opinion. And someone asked me recently, said, well, then what do you, then how do we teach people to give? Well, I, I actually thought what Todd did last week was a great recipe for teaching people how to give. Because he was showing us people who responded but to God's love by giving. Right? 
Remember last week's lesson? I know, I know. I always tell people if they remember one thing I said by Wednesday, I've done my job. One thing. But it's this idea. It's, you know, it's funny. I do taxes for one of the things I do in my life is I do income taxes. I've heard a lot of people say, well, we need a flat tax. Well, flat tax is unfair because it hurts the poor the most. That's what, th that's what this is. This is why we should not tithe. There's no righteousness in it. It might be someplace you started. I'm not saying that you're a bad person. I'm just saying it's a bad, it leads us down a bad road. Let me show you why. Let's talk about why we, what we should do about giving. How then should we give? That's a good question. Let's talk about that. Giving, giving should be a response to God's grace. Why do we do the things that we do? I remember a long time ago, I decided I was going to be very disciplined about my quiet time. I'm going to pray every day and read every day. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? That sounds like a good idea, right? What if I told you that I got to a point in my life where I wasn't doing it for God. I was doing it for discipline. That's what I was doing. And come the end of the world or high water, I was going to have my quiet time every day. Even if I slept through it. You're laughing because you know it's true, aren't you? I'm sure after a while, God's like, dude, just stop. Just stop it. Stop it. You know what I found? That after I stopped being disciplined about my quiet time, my prayers, when I prayed, was much more from the heart than it was some rote thing that I had to do every day. Now, that may not be true for you, but it was true for me. You see, giving should be a response to God's grace. Look what Paul says to the church in Corinth, and, and, and we use this scripture a lot, but in verse, chapter 8 and verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in, in our love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace also, this work of grace, the Greek language says, this work of grace. In other words, in other words, your giving is a response to the grace of God. And he says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He's not talking about money there. He's talking about being spiritually rich. That's a different gospel preached in a different place. We don't want that one. But as we grow spiritually, we should grow in our heart to give. I think, I think back in my Christian life, you know, I remember when we first became Christians. It was a million years ago. But when we became Christians, I remember thinking, oh, wow, look at me. I'm giving a lot. And, and now I look back, oh, I wasn't giving very much. But, but I was responding to the heart of God, to the new grace that was in my life. And at that time, I thought it was, I was really being sacrificial, and I wasn't at all, but I thought I was. I thought this is my, and as I grew in understanding God's grace, I guess what happened? Started giving more, because I understood more about God's grace. 
Point number two, with the right heart and motivation, give yourself first to God. In verse three of Second Corinthians chapter eight, it's where they gave according to their means. And as I, I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, they said, we're doing more than was asked of us. They earnestly pleaded to taking part in this relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God. Giving should be done with the right heart and motivation. If you're an unhappy giver, you're not giving the way God wants you to. It's really clear in the scripture. What I'm doing right now doesn't work. Third one. Giving should be a response to how much God has blessed you. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You don't have to turn anywhere. We have it. In verse 2, it says, on the first day of the week, they were taking up an offering for the poor in, uh, in Jerusalem, for the, for the famine that was coming in Jerusalem. And so they had started, and Paul says, you know what? This is what you ought to do. Take up uh, a collection on the first day of every week. Each of you is to put aside uh, something aside and store it up as he may prosper. In other words, as, you, as God has given you, you give back. As God has given you, you give back. In Acts 11 and verse 29, another, another scripture about this same famine. So the disciples determine everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Giving should be a sacrifice. I remember when my son was nine, he, you know, you might know Jeff, he leads the campus, he and Kelly lead the campus up in Denton, and uh, we were doing uh, missions collection. And Jeff, um, Jeff had sold some of his prized baseball cards, rookie cards, um, that were worth you know, some money and certainly worth a lot to him. And so he was asked if he would come and share before the entire congregation at the age of nine. And so we have a picture somewhere of him standing on a chair so he could reach, reach over the podium to share about what he had given. He was giving of something that was to him valuable, of his own accord. Giving should be a response in the way God has blessed you. I want to talk to you about something here, about missions, and about giving to the mission. You may or may not know, but I, I've have, I have the opportunity, I do administration and finance for 36 churches in our fellowship churches and mission societies and camp. And one of the things that I love about Dallas, Dallas isn't one of the ones I do, but one of the things I love about being here is the heart it has and the focus it has on mission. I really love that, that we spend time talking about the mission. We spend time talking about works that are going on in Eurasia and in Mexico. And, and not only just the the spiritual ministry, if you will, but also the, all the ministries it, through hope and other, other organizations and other entities that give to help people to help the poor. And we spend a lot of time and focus on this, and you have no idea, if you've never been anywhere else, how much of a blessing that is here. And I've asked Jacques... Jacques and I, you may, some of you have met Jacques. He and his wife, Tracy, moved here a year ago. But Jacques and I have known each other a little bit longer, and uh, I'm going to ask him 
to share because there's a slide up here that will prove that uh, we've known each other a little longer. <laughs> Can you tell them where this is? I get away. So this is the uh, picture that Tunisia Carter did. And, uh, you know, I was uh, actually fortunate enough to be on the mission field in Tunisia. Uh, excuse me? You were on the mission field? Jacques led the mission team to Tunisia, okay? <laughs> so humble. Go right ahead. And uh, it, it was really an amazing experience. I think, you know, I appreciate so much this church because it's such a giving church. Mm -hmm. And I've been so encouraged by that. Um, I remember being a young disciple, and I constantly asked, can I go on the mission field? And I tried to go to Venezuela. I tried to go to, I think, Algeria. I was, I, I, every time I heard there was a mission field, I wanted to go because I saw how much God was working and how much people were giving. And uh, so at that time, there, were, there was a call for Tunisia, and I basically, I sold everything I had. I sold my truck. I sold everything. And I did the one suitcase challenge and went to Tunisia. And you know what's a really amazing is that a lot of times when we give, we don't realize how God uses us. And um, go ahead, you keep going. <laughs> okay. And um, so, anyways, I was sent off to uh, Tunisia, and uh, one of the guys we started studying the Bible with was actually he was a semi-famous uh, rapper in Tunisia. And uh, so we're, we're, you know, sharing our faith. And he goes, hey, I'm really looking for a singer. And I was thinking, and my co-leader was a, a really phenomenal singer. He goes, I need someone who can sing in French and English, like kind of like a soul R&B style. As like, I know the perfect person. So one day, uh, Kenita, who's, who's also up there, came to, uh, to sing with this guy. And, he, and it happened to be on the radio. Uh, with Fauzi Shkili, who was the most famous jazz guitarist at the same time. So here she started singing on radio, and the, all the calls started going in. It's like, who was that? Uh, she started touring with Fauzi Shkili uh, to the point that one day for the opening celebration for the president of the country, she sang. Um, another thing is our, our group was only eight disciples. But we were able actually to study with 20 Muslims at one time. So there's so many things that God does when we give, you know, and things that we can't even realize or think about. And I just encourage you, you know, I, I feel really fortunate because I might have given up everything I had at that time. Um, but I was fortunate enough to see how God can use what, when we, what we give. And I feel really blessed to have had that opportunity. Wait, 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 wait. you got to tell them about Beirut. Uh, so after Tunisia, I went to Lebanon. And, By the way, uh, we've got, yeah, we got a map up here, because I was yeah. pretty sure that most of you didn't know where these places were, so I got, <laughs> I got arrows. I was, there's only four people in the room, I'm sure, who yeah. knew where Tunisia was. So. And uh, so, you know, obviously, I, that was another amazing experience. I was able to go to uh, Lebanon, and, and as well as learn a dialect there. And just, again, being able to share our faith with so many people, um, it, God is just amazing and how he uses us in so many ways to ju just to, to impact the gospel. And so when you give, you don't realize that eventually it's impacting someone who's impacting someone who's impacting someone. And, uh, you know, souls are saved through that. So thank you so much.
One of the things that Jacques didn't tell you is that when he was in Beirut, he lived on $2 a day. You know, it is amazing the way that God opened doors. I, uh, I was part of the Middle East world sector, and I got an opportunity to work with a lot of these guys and just help, but I didn't do anything. We just made sure the money got there. It's true. But um, we did get to go to Beirut. I got to go to Beirut a couple times. First time it was illegal to go um, on the American side. It wasn't illegal on their side, so it was, you had to be careful that nobody stamped your passport. But we, I had tea with the first lady of Lebanon. I had tea with the first. I won a couple years ago. I was like, did I have tea with I, Did that really happen? And it was amazing the thing that God, the things that God does. And the thing I, 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 don't, I say all this to, to get you to understand this, is that you are really blessed here. We, I need, and I believe you need, connection to people that don't have what we have. Missions connects us. Hope connects us. It is good for our hearts. It is good for our soul. And, and the opportunities that we get, and it's not the opportunities that every church gets, but the opportunities that we get to be a part of that, yes, we get to give and support. But I got to tell you, I think it is as much a blessing to me as it is to those who receive it. And I really believe that. It moves my heart to see people who don't know God and would have no opportunity to ever know him without what we're, not what we're doing, but just what we're participating in is such a blessing. And it, <laughs> I don't remember the brother from Manila who, who shared last year. No, 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 the one of the brothers here. Ben. I, you know, it's funny, I was sitting here, the first time Ben shared, I was like, okay, I'm going to get up and say, I'm going to run up to Todd and say, Todd, let's just collect some money now. Because I'm pretty sure we can get twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, no problem. Because it was so amazing. We're so blessed here in Dallas to have that. And there's so many other churches that have it as well, but we are blessed here. So now what do we do? Okay, you've told me I don't have to tithe. What do I do now? I think that in the past we made Christianity easy because we told everybody what to do this and you do this and you do this and you do that and if you do all those things and you're fine with God and you think great I can go do those four things and I'm fine with God problem is that's not the way it works God wants us to wrestle with our relationship with him he wants us to figure it out what is it what is it that's a sacrifice for me are you giving because it's a command or it's a response to God's grace? Because I believe, I've had people tell me, well, bro, if, you know, if we don't, if we tell them we don't have to tithe, then they'll give less. If you give less because somebody told you you didn't have to do a minimum, I'm not even going to finish the sentence. I think you can figure it out. Does your giving reflect how God has blessed you financially? Does it? One of the things that I, I don't believe in, 
Because I don't believe in, okay, we need to raise our contribution, so we're going to have everybody give $5 more. Never do that. Because the people who are, are, are sacrificing to the bone, it hurts them. And the people who aren't sacrificing at all, they're like, oh, $5 more to meet the requirement? No problem. Don't do that. Are, does your giving truly reflect how God has blessed you financially? Are you motivated to excel in the grace of giving? I can't answer any of those questions for you. And no one can. Only you can. Well, only you and God can. And isn't that the point? You see, I believe that the more we excel in the grace of giving, but the more we do things in response to the grace of God, the more this church will benefit. The more God will be lifted up because of the work done here in the DFW church. Honestly, I think giving people, telling people what they must do holds the church back. Because what could you do? What would you do if you believed everything that I said today? What, if you, what would you do if you really, really comprehended the grace of God? What would you do then? What would you do then? That's scary. This morning, I'm going to go ahead and pray and have communion. As we comprehend the grace of God, it's not just about giving. It's about everything in our lives. Everything. It's about our love for one another. It's about our love for him. It's about our love for our families. It's about everything we do in our spiritual life. Every single thing. And I pray this morning that, that we will begin to attempt to understand what God has truly done for us. Let's pray. God, I'm grateful this morning that you just give us an opportunity to look inside the scriptures to understand what it is that you're trying to teach us. That it's so easy. It's so easy to go back to the law. It's so easy just to be, one, I just want to do what I'm supposed to do and that's not our relationships work. It doesn't work in our, our marriages that way. It doesn't work with our children that way. We want to respond to everything we do because of the grace you've given us. God, help us this morning to remember that all of that began with Jesus. All of that began with the cross. All of that began with him living the life that he lived on this earth, teaching us and, and, and training the, the apostles and all the things he did and then suffering and dying and then being resurrected. God, that was the beginning of all of this. And may today, as we take communion, we remember that all of that grace began with Jesus. It's in his name we pray.